The text for the message this morning is Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, and we'll read that together on page 885 in the Pew Bible. Continuing on from where we left off, verse 12, we read in verse 13, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? They said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the facts that we know are confirmed by evidence of the consequences. If someone claims that Jesus' tomb was empty, you can only be sure that it was because he rose from the dead and not some other explanation if you see Jesus alive. Luke, who had set out, we read in chapter 1, he set out to write an orderly account of all that the eyewitnesses had delivered to the church concerning all that God had accomplished on earth. He provides proof of Jesus' resurrection from the dead by recounting a fascinating event that took place in the lives of two disciples 
were traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus on that very day of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Now, the location of the village of Emmaus is difficult for us to identify today because there is not an obvious town with the same name today, and the brief description could mean that it was a seven-mile round trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus and back again, or that it was a seven-mile one-way trip. However, since the location of Emmaus on a map does very little to alter the, the message of the narrative, and the only, the only reason it might be important for us to know the location is if we're curious about how long Jesus' sermon on all the scriptures lasted. Second mystery of our text is the mystery of the second disciple. Luke does not tell us the second disciple's name. And this is the only time we read about Cleopas in scriptures. However, considering that the two disciples called the women who discovered the empty tomb in verse 22, women of our company, and then the disciples who went to the tomb, we know them to be Peter and John, he called them some of those who are, were with us, that's in verse 24, and also considering that the two disciples that Jesus joined on the road lived together, it's very possible that Cleopas called the second disciple his wife. Luke's dramatic narration of the unfolding events, they capture our attention. For although we know who had joined the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, the Emmaus disciples themselves had been kept from recognizing this stranger. We do not miss the irony of the fact that immediately after those disciples said in verse 24, but him they did not see, that same him that the men at the tomb had not seen was walking beside the Emmaus disciples, and yet him they did not recognize. We pray that God may prevent the same thing from happening to us as we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd through the preaching of the gospel under the theme, It was their risen Lord who had broken bread with them. We'll see that then the Emmaus disciples understood his failure was fulfillment and his victory was visible. When the risen Lord Jesus himself drew near to the disciples walking to Emmaus, he soon discovered that they were still processing all the things that had happened in Jerusalem and that they were sad and disappointed in the way things had gone. They had seen and known Jesus of Nazareth and had really hoped that this prophet, mighty in word indeed before God and all his people, that he was the one to redeem Israel, just like the priest Zechariah had prophesied in his prophecy in chapter 1. How sad they felt when this Jesus was condemned to death and crucified. And now that he had been dead for three days, they were even more gloomy, like all hope had disappeared. The recounting of the event made it clear that they were arriving at the conclusion that after a, a glimmer of hope in the glory of God he had revealed, Jesus' ministry had ended in a colossal failure. 
Their gloom was so deep that even the account of the women who saw the empty tomb and heard the announcement of the angels that Jesus was alive did not bring them hope. After all, although the disciples had gone and confirmed the empty tomb, what did that prove except that someone had further violated the dignity of Jesus even after he had been dead for several days? As Mary herself also concluded, if your only hope of redemption from the curse of God has been defeated by death, what is left for sinners but disappointment and sorrow? And in the gloom of their sad reflections on this Resurrection Sunday, the light began to shine. For the one who had been crucified and buried and was no longer seen in the tomb, he himself began to interpret what he had accomplished for them. Although they did not know it was Jesus, he addressed them as as foolish ones. Not to say that they were being silly, but rather using foolish in the sense of the Proverbs to say that they were short-sighted in limiting their explanations to the things of this earth without including the eternal heavenly perspective. Their sorrow revealed that they were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had explained about the necessity for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory. And in another irony, the Lord Jesus used the ancient scriptures to reveal himself to the people that he was standing beside, reminding the post-resurrection church that all that we have to know and all that we need to know of our Lord is found in the scriptures. And as believers who cannot see and who cannot touch Christ in the flesh, we are filled with joy to read in verse 25 to 27, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted that to them in all the scriptures concerning the things concerning himself. Jesus shines light into the darkness by employing the light of God's word that we continue to hold in our hands as a, as a light for our path, we sang in Psalm 119. As a lantern to give light to our way. He showed us that even if he is not with us in the flesh, the scriptures reveal what the prophets predicted about the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, says Peter in chapter 1 Peter 1 verse 11. Well, when we look at the text, we notice that Luke does not tell us about the contents of the sermon. But if the apostles followed the example of Jesus' teaching in their ministry, like we can see in the book of Acts, we know that he was showing from the Scriptures that the Christ, the Messiah, was Jesus. You can see that in Acts 18, verse 28. And we can think of many texts in the Old Testament that speak of Jesus' ministry and his suffering and his glory, such as the promise of the descendant of Eve having his heel crushed before he crushed the head of the serpent, Genesis 3, verse 15. 
or the prophet that Moses had pointed to in Deuteronomy 18, or the commandment of life revealed in the laws, or the revelation of the sacrifices and the tabernacle of our holy God's desire to dwell among us, or the promises of a coming king given through the judges and and to King David and his disciples, or the messianic psalms that we continue to, to sing today that speak so clearly of Jesus' suffering and his glory, or the prophecies of a humble king riding on a donkey and a suffering servant, and a perfect high priest that were given by the major and minor prophets. Luke does not recount the content of Jesus' instruction, and he only tells us that Jesus showed the disciples it was wrong to think that Christ had failed just because he suffered and died. Jesus' interpretation of the scriptures showed that what the Emmaus disciples had considered failure was really fulfillment. Although they were wondering about all that had taken place in Jerusalem, the stranger who joined them on the road made it clear from the Scriptures that everything had gone according to God's plan. Every necessary step to bring redemption had been taken. The Lord Jesus said, It is finished on the cross with the Scriptures in His mind. Their remorse was unnecessary because Christ's death had been necessary in order to bring many sons to glory together with their risen Lord and King. And how their hearts burned within them. This seems to mean that they experienced an emotional response to what Jesus was saying, something deep in their insides The revelation of God's sovereign control over all nations and people throughout all the ages so that he might bring salvation through the promised Messiah from creation to the present that affected the disciples in a meaningful way. What a comfort to be reminded that there was no need for sadness over the death of this Jesus of Nazareth who was certainly the Christ. Would the stranger who was walking along with them on the road show them what he meant when he spoke about this Christ entering into his glory? What did the glory of the promised Messiah look like? We see that in a second point. His victory was visible as they drew near to the village to which which they were going Luke says, Jesus acted as if he were going further. And the disciples with him noticed then this, and then they urged him strongly to stay with them because of the time of day. Well, since Jesus does not lie, he does not deceive, we know that Jesus was, was planning to go to his next destination, but in his mercy and his, his grace to the disciples who had not yet recognized his voice, We read, he went in to stay with them. And we see the patience of our risen Lord Jesus Christ with the foolish and the slow of heart who yet showed themselves to be sincere Christians by their hospitality, by their eagerness with fellowship with the stranger who, who clearly shared their faith. 
And this is what Jesus spoke about when he says, you, you prove to be my disciples by your love for one another. Well, the fellowship meal was and continues to be one of the, the best signs of peace and unity among God's creatures. Just as the peace offering in the Old Testament was followed by a communal meal, and the Passover was celebrated with a meal among all who believed in the saving benefits of the blood of the Lamb, so also on this resurrection day, Jesus joined his disciples in a meal. The message of peace that he, he spoke later to the disciples in the verses after our text was first symbolized when he broke bread together with the Emmaus disciples. Well, we continue to celebrate this resurrection peace when we share meals with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. There is a close connection between the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the fellowship meal of believers. And it's good to remember Jesus' post-resurrection fellowship with the Emmaus disciples when we have meals together on special feast days, the annual dine and dash, and also on every other day of the year when, we, when we're eating together. We're rejoicing in the peace that Jesus Christ obtained and commanded for his church. We express our fellowship in the atmosphere of hospitality and in love to one another, in which we also share in our union with Christ, our head, that we see in the sacrament of Lord's Supper. When the Emmaus disciples later explained what happened to the other disciples, they told them how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The very end of our text, verse 35. Luke explains that this was because their eyes were opened. That's in verse 31, which indicates a special working of the Lord, which caused them to finally realize who it was that, that they were seeing before them in, their fle in the flesh. And when their eyes were opened, what did they see? They saw the great teacher, Lord and Savior who had come from heaven, changing his plans to spend time with them in a fellowship meal. They saw the King, the eternal King of the universe, serving them instead of being served. They saw the example of all Christian fellowship, self-sacrificial love, and unity standing in the flesh before them. Shortly before he would ascend into heaven to intercede for them before the Father. And whether or not this eye-opening moment was accompanied by catching sight of the nail wounds on the hands as, as he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, the disciples had no doubt that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth when he vanished from their sight. For the Emmaus disciples, it was like the last piece of the puzzle fit into place. 
And then looking back at, at everything they had seen and heard and felt in their, in their hearts, it all made perfect sense. The stranger who had joined them on the road was the promised Messiah, the one who had come to redeem his people, just like Zechariah had prophesied. He was the, and is the hope and the comfort of undeserving sinners all over the world. His victory was visible in everything he said and he did among them. His teaching as a great prophet confirmed that he was the Christ that Moses had, had promised. His suffering and death were necessary for him because that's what the scriptures said about the Christ. The testimony of the women, the angels, and the disciples were evidence of the glory that he had entered when he defeated death just as he said he would. His knowledge of how all the scriptures were fulfilled in him and their burning hearts when he taught them. His patience with his church in their ignorance. His willingness to serve rather than to be served. His delight in their fellowship. His appearance to them that explained his absence in the tomb. The Lord had made it all so clear. The, their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and had broken bread with them. And then, by vanishing from their sight, he confirmed what he had said to Mary when he told her not to cling to his body, for he had not yet completed what he had come to do. He vanished so that the Emmaus disciples would join themselves to other believers and learn what it meant for the church to become his body on earth. And we read, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And when they, when they found the eleven, we can imagine them bursting in with, with the news that, that they had seen the Lord, only to have their thunder stolen. When they walked in, they heard the last part of the evidence that they had not been seeing for so long. They, they heard the eleven say, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. He was absent from the grave because he was present with his church. The Emmaus disciples then added to the eyewitness testimony they heard and they told what happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The disciples had gone from not recognizing and not understanding to clearly observing the evidence of his victory. Putting it together so that we today can rejoice together with them. The good news is that the evidence of his victory continues to be visible. Continues to be a blessing to encourage the church today. We can see it in the peace that continues to be a blessing for people from many different backgrounds who understand, who believe the gospel message revealed in Scripture. We can see it in the fellowship that we may enjoy with one another in the unity of true faith. Christ has risen from the dead but he did not leave us as orphans. He has given us his word. 
where he is fully explained and fully revealed to us. We can hear his voice in our lives. He has given us fellowship that binds us together in the peace that he obtained through his death and resurrection. If you look at verse 36, he announces that as they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, here's the gift. He says, peace to you. That peace is evidence of his victory. And we enjoy that peace while we wait for what he, he says in verses 46 and 47. There's, there's more work for the church to do. We, we wait for the rest of scriptures to be fulfilled just as the Lord said as repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. He places his peace on his church that he brought together in his resurrection so that we might continue to see him and hear him calling us. Our risen Lord sent us, promised that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. And Luke's gospel puts the question in front of us, do you recognize his presence in the midst of his church? Are you seeing the resurrected Jesus, the evidence of his victory? Well, we rejoice when we do. And we give him the glory. We, we say together with, with the church of all ages, he has, he has risen, says the first. And all who believe respond, he has risen indeed. Amen.